presented here today for you to enjoy is a special 15-minute preview of this week's Top Rope Nation Extra Patreon-exclusive bonus podcast. A really good discussion I'm sure you would enjoy if you enjoy our typical flagship podcast. And like I said, the only way to hear this full show is by joining the Patreon page. The link is here in the broadcast description. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Top Rope Nation Extra. One more for August. We've got a great topic planned for you today. I am Kyle Ross, but you already knew that, though. Joining me today on the line, however, is our own resident King of the North, your good friend and mine from the other side of the Atlantic, Mr. Rick Skelton. Rick, how the hell are you doing today, buddy? I'm great, Kyle. All the best for speaking to you, my friend. Yeah, uh, so we've got an exciting topic today, at least I think. We'll be talking about the Intercontinental title. Now, some of you may be listening at home saying, why in the hell would you be talking about the Intercontinental title today? Well, officially, the IC title came into existence on September 1st, 1979. So we're almost right at that anniversary. And on this podcast today, Rick and I will be giving you a brief history lesson of the IC title and also giving you our Mount Rushmore of IC champs. That's top four for those keeping score at home. Now, this is an idea I've had for a show for quite some time. And it just so happens that Rick, over on Facebook.com, Top Rope Nation, Pro Wrestling Discussion, you're all patrons, I believe you're all a part of that. He happened to have some comments on the IC title that really piqued my interest. So, Rick, I think you're going to be a great person to do this with. You ready to do it? I am ready. I, I am more than ready. Okay, so yeah, it, you know, one of the real prestigious championships in pro wrestling right now, the Intercontinental Title. Yeah, um, top top seventeen easily. <laughs> so on that note, before we get to the history, get in the time that ba- uh, time machine part, easy for me to say. We're going to talk about the present day for a moment, and stop me when you've heard this one before, Rick. But the WWE is trying to make its secondary titles matter again, video packages and the like. We've seen it for both the U.S. title and the Intercontinental title on WWE television since Triple H took over uh, as the lead man in creative. Your thoughts when you see, read, hear, whatever, that the WWE is trying to, uh, you know, make its secondary titles matter again? Yeah, I'd normally call bullshit on that. But uh, heard it many, many times. But I, I do think that there does seem to be a concerted effort this time. It does look, um, it does look a little bit different. Um, and, and I think since Triple H took over, he had, he had a decent starting point as well because they, they did have some established champions who Vince had been keen on for a little while. Um, and I'm going to talk particularly about one of them. Um, but, but Bobby Bobby Lashley's been uh, pretty undamaged, hasn't he, for the last couple of years? Um, so yes. he's, he's a good guy to carry a secondary title if you want to try and make it something that's a main event on one of your TV shows. Of course, yes. And Lashley is the U.S. champion. Yeah, I think other than Roman, Lashley's probably the second most protected guy in the company over the last two years, even more so than Lesnar, because Lesnar's done the three jobs to Reigns. 
you know, yeah. Lashley beat Lesnar. So, I mean, y- you can make a case that Bobby Lashley, and this is something we're going to get into when we talk about the history of the title, is pretty close to being a number two guy in the promotion right now. Yeah, I think so. And I think um, probably the number one babyface um, on, on both of their brands. Podcast for um, every day. We're here to talk about the history of the Intercontinental Championship, actually. And here's a very brief uh, history of it. Uh, the Cliff Notes version, if you will. Rick, please, after I'm done, uh, tell me what I missed. The title, as I said earlier, officially started being recognized on September 1st, 1979. And it's been said that Pat Patterson won a, quote, grueling tournament in Rio de Janeiro. Wink, wink. Uh, People who've seen Over the Edge 98 can have a laugh at that. Of course, that is bullshit. Uh, There was no grueling tournament. But throughout the 80s, the IC title, as you know, Rick, was often used as something that could headline the B-shows on the house show loop. That largely ceased in the 90s as business declined overall, but we still did get a great slew of workers holding it, some of whom even would go on to ascend to the WWF title. Ascension uh, is something I will be talking about throughout this program. Did have some dogs in there in the late 90s, your Jeff Jarrett's, Mark Marrow's, Rocky's first run. But really, until Russo sunk his claws into things in 99, the belt was mostly kept strong. Again, like I said earlier, throughout my youth, the Intercontinental Champion was usually good. No one was like, man, the IC title really sucks now. I mean, again, you had some kind of weak champions there, the Jarrett's, the Marrows, but for the most part, it was someone you believed in that role. And then you had guys like Benoit, Jericho, RVD, keeping that tradition alive in the early 2000s. But the belt never really recovered, in my opinion, after being retired for a short time in 2002 by, you guessed it, Hunter Hearst Helmsley. It's now something that is brand exclusive, but never really featured in a prominent match on pay-per-view. Somebody had this stat that there has not been an IC title match on pay-per-view since, like, last year? Wow. That is pretty crazy. (laughs) So, is there something I missed? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think that's I think that's a pretty fair assessment. I mean, I, I would say up until about 1990. I mean, I, I think Mr. Perfect is probably the last really great IC champion um, of, oh, wow. of that era. Um, I think I think right up to Mr. Perfect, they were they were pretty much all in this conversation that we're going to have. Um, and then I think after that. Like you say, it's, it's very hit and miss. I mean, good good worker after good worker, but just the importance of it that, like you say, it, even though there is ascension, I mean, there's a guy like Bret Hart who, who put, goes on to become WWF champion literally, what, a month, two months after? Yeah, less than two. Uh, there, there is that ascension, and, and there are stars holding it, um, but I don't think any of them hold it while they're being presented as a star. Um, maybe that's a, a slight generalization, but yeah, I, 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 I think I think he got it. And, and then I think by by the time 2002 comes about um, and, and they, they retire the belt, um, it, it just felt like it never recovered from there. Um, and then practically every reign after that is where we get the old, I'm going to restore the prestige of this title um, that, that, you, that you've ruined. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So... Uh, so it sounds like your cutoff point's a little early, earlier than mine as for when it still mattered, when I was really excited who held the Intercontinental title. We'll talk about the individual champions, obviously, here in just a few moments. And as a matter of fact, right off the rip, 
Let's start putting names and faces uh, on the Mount Rushmore, Rick. To me, there is simply no argument that Randy Savage isn't the best Intercontinental Champion ever, let alone doesn't belong on the Mount Rushmore top four. We obviously just did a Randy Savage draft here on Top Rope Nation. Please, everyone check that out. That was a ton of fun. A three-man draft. It was it's usually four, but this time it was three. Ryan, Justin, and I. And we had some really great discussions about the top matches of Randy yeah, Savage. Great show. So, that. Absolutely great show. So are you with me here, Rick? Savage, top Intercontinental yeah. Champion ever and on your Mount Rushmore, obviously? Yeah, definitely. Um there's, there's no argument. I mean, I, yeah, I listened to you guys talk about Randy Savage um, last last week, and uh, I just, I think, depend on which day you catch you catch me on, I I, I might think he's the best ever, um, and I really mean that. And I don't mean Intercontinental Champion; I just mean pro wrestler. Um, mm. th- th- there's a big argument going on at the moment about uh, <laughs> about drawing money. Um, Versus uh, versus everything else, and I think that's that's probably the biggest thing against him, and it's the reason why objectively it'll always be a Hulk Hogan or a Bruno or a, a Steve Austin. Um, but I just think for me for me personally, um, on the days it's not um, Bret Hart, and it's it's definitely Randy Savage because um, I mean the guy, the guy was the guy was incredible, and his his IC title run. I don't know if that's the peak of him, um, but but. Yeah, I, I, I think it, I think it's the point where he was the most brilliant that he was. Yeah, so the Intercontinental title reign, he only had one. Uh, it began on February 8th, 1986. He wins it from Tito Santana in the Boston Garden, stole it from Tito Santana in the Boston Garden, as Gorilla Monsoon would remind us many times over the next 13-plus months. And, of course, he loses it in one of the most famous Intercontinental title matches of all time to Ricky Steamboat at WrestleMania 3, a match that I've talked about in the past, made me a lifelong fan of pro wrestling. Now, there's a lot of factors to consider here because, for me, this is not just, okay, who is the best wrestler to ever hold the Intercontinental title? Okay, like Steve Austin's not on my Mount Rushmore. He's a former Intercontinental champion. This is solely about what they did holding that title. And over the 13 months that Randy Savage was Intercontinental Champion, he very much felt like the number two guy in the promotion behind Hogan in terms of stardom. Okay, you talk about, you know, drawing money and in-ring, all the different factors. Savage checked all the boxes. For me, it's very important when evaluating the Intercontinental Champions how close they are to being the actual number two guy in the promotion behind the world champion. Yes, Paul Orndorff was the top heel by the end of 86, but that was very much because he was working with Hulk Hogan and the angle. Savage throughout his time period, you know, obviously it's not just the Steamboat feud. I mentioned this on the Savage draft. His house show feud with Tito Santana is my favorite house show feud of all time. The six-month program they did at MSG, and I think they were you know running largely the same matches in Boston as well. That is awesome. People... Well, some people will see the George Steele program, which was played out on television while Santana was just the house shows as a negative. But that was a program that actually this blew my mind when I was first told this years ago, did very well drawing female viewers. The female demo 
Who knew that people were talking about that in 86? But that's why it was always on Saturday night's main event. I don't know if Dick Ebersol just felt that way because it was the only angle his wife understood at WrestleMania 2, Susan St. James. <laughs> but Savage, great matches during the IC title run. Again, check out the stuff with Santana on the house shows. Obviously, the Mania 3 match is the creme de la creme, but... I picked a match that occurred a month earlier in Toronto. That's one of the best WWF matches of the 80s as well. Great matches. He drew as the Intercontinental Champion. Number two guy in the promotion. For me, all the boxes are checked here. And you talk about what his actual peak is. He uh, would go on to win the WWF title a year later. Interestingly enough, he was coming off a house show program with Hogan that drew very well. Uh, I think it was a three-match program at MSG, late 85, early 86, before winning the IC title. So it, it was nice to see. It's like, okay, he's here's a guy whose position's a big deal right away, wins it. He's number two in the promotion. He does lose it, but then a year later, he's the WWF champion. I just can't think of a better singular reign, certainly, uh, with this title ever. And it's so strong. He's my number one of all time. Yeah, and it's hard to disagree with any of that. And I think... Um, I, I was just going to make that point that you made. It, it, when he when he came in, um, they, they made a massive deal um, about Randy Savage. The that that whole angle with, with with every manager trying to sign him. Yep. They, they made they made a huge deal that he was probably the the, the number two guy in the promotion, and it, but he wasn't there as just a Hogan opponent, and they used that differently. Um, and and they put they put the IC title on him the whole time he was he was IC champion. Like I say, he was pretty much. The number two guy. Um, he was one of those guys. Wh- whenever you'd see the old uh, sort of PWI number one, number one guy of the WWF is, is the WWF champion, and the number two guy is the IC champion. And he was, he, you know, he's, he's the he's the most perfect guy for that spot. Is is the most perfect um, that you look at that and you see it, and and it doesn't look a stretch at all. Um, and I just think all of his feuds and 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 all of his um, house show runs—they were all the second biggest thing in in, in that promotion, um, and that doesn't happen that often. And despite you know um, all all the guys who were, who were going to bring prestige back to the title, going on about Mister Perfect, um, I don't think that was ever the case for Mister Perfect. By by that point in 1990, that that wasn't the case, and it rarely would ever be again. Um, that that's the peak. I, I just think it's the it's the peak of the title. It's the, it's the peak of um, possibly the peak of Savage's career because I, I, I don't think he was ever that perfect again, um, dis, despite the fact that he was, he was brilliant for another twelve years um, and and he was the WWF champion for a year. Um, but I just I just think he was he was so perfect in this spot. Um, and and there there isn't another guy um, who's who's better than him. Um, when, you, when you talk about IC champions, just it just isn't. Um, and we're going we're to talk about some good ones, um, and, a, and a lot of them from the from the eighties, before and after him, um, where where very good.